First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or a 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com. 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters Radio Show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email myviewmatters at aol.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Springsta.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join the email newsletter. We'll send you updates on a weekly or a monthly basis, your choice. Secondly, please join the RSS feed. Yes, we have the podcast going out to tens of thousands of people every week, so we appreciate if you join us as well. And finally, donate, donate, donate. There is a handy-dandy donate button at edspringsta.com. We can appreciate all the help you can give us. Kind of helps us keep everything rolling. In the meantime, call in number is always 858-683-1326. For those of you in the listening queue, please hit the number one on your dial pad. We'll get you on there as soon as possible. And the live chat is now open. Additionally, you can reach me on Facebook at Ed Springsteen with any instant message request or anything like that. Welcome to a new week. Got a little bit to get into, and as always, we try to start with welcoming our great friend, Mr. Ed Martin. How are you, sir? Uh, doing all right, Mr. Springsteen. We we survived Snowmageddon over the weekend. That whole <laughs> quarter inch <laughs> winter winter storm advisory. Yep, yep, yep. Speak for yourself, pal. You only got a quarter. I got three quarters. It's like, it's like the damn <laughs> 
oh, well, it's common knowledge. They're always going to talk it up real big, like, oh, my. But then when it doesn't materialize, they can at least say, oh, whew, we got lucky, you know. <laughs> the best one, the best one I think was, was back. Funny. Oh, the, the build up, the build up to it was fantastic. Hey guys, we're going. Oh yeah. Are we coming in? Are we coming in Saturday? Yeah. Then it was coming here? in again on Sunday night too. Remember? So yeah. I, you, the best one I think. Well, yeah, the best like, one I think. Well, you'll make it in. 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 You'll make it a Volk, a 1968 Volkswagen with long tires would have made it in on that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. There really wasn't anything to it. I uh, think most of got a quarter and a half inch. I got about three quarters of an inch out here. And, uh, you know, by the time I woke up, hell, the roads were already clear, including in my neighborhood. It was just too warm to do anything. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. The best one was in 1994. Um, I remember that one. Well, that's when we got that 17 inches that shut down the city for a week. But yeah, uh, it was hilarious. About, they were talking about four inches or something like that. And like, I was right. waking up in the morning, you know, and I had a four-wheel drive Ford pickup truck with really aggressive tires. And I remember waking up, looking yep. out the window, going, Oh, it was great. They started, yeah, they started out one to three, then they switched to two to four, then three to five. And after switching it about 10 times, they finally just gave up. We ended up with about 16 and a half to 18 inches, depending on where you were in the city. And of course, we weren't prepared for that kind of stuff. Ever since then, they've always been high. Absolutely. You know, so they can always, (laughs) they don't ever want want to have to eat that one again. It's like, you said four inches. What the hell? <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. I mean, blind squirrel finds nut, you know? I mean, they get lucky every now and then. It's like walking outside when it's raining with an umbrella. Weatherman says, well, we're expecting some rain. No shit. Really? I mean, it, it, that's just the way it is anymore. But we, I guess it's better to be safe than sorry. You know, the only problem is every time they pull this snowmageddon crap, you can't get groceries for a week because everybody freaks out and go buys up everything at Kroger. So you have no bread, no milk, no eggs for about a week for them to restock over nothing. What the hell's with the bread I mean, and milk and eggs hilarious. anyway? I mean, I get the well, milk. That's it. You know? I get the milk cause, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a cereal fanatic, you know, honeycombs and 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 actually I found a new one that I like too. That grain berry that they talk about. Right. It's supposed to be healthy. It's healthy. It's good too. But yeah, it's a grain, grain berry and honeycombs, man. I can. I, you know, they're vitamin fortified. I could survive like a year on that stuff. <laughs> well, it's like I always, I always picture somebody sitting at home because if you get a storm that bad, your electric's out and everything else. So I always just picture these guys breaking two raw eggs open and throwing them in a little bitty glass at home, getting a bowl out, throwing bread in a bowl and adding milk to it. So you got so you got bread, cereal, and raw eggs, you know, like, like that's going to be their survival mode. I mean, it's just ridiculous the way people think. It's just uh, yeah, I mean, always funnier honestly, than hell. Honestly, if you're if but, you're gonna get pickled up like that, you you buy canned soup and you buy like ravioli. Okay, there's another food I can live on forever. Uh, mini raviolis in cans. You know, oh my god, I just eat right out of the there can. There you go. You know, like there you go. I don't go. need any power. I don't even need any power. It's like okay, they say bread <laughs> and milk. I'm like uh, Captain Crunch and raviolis, my friend. <laughs> right there you go. There That's you me. go. While everybody else yeah. is buying milk, I'm buying orange juice and beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. 
In the meantime, we did survive Snowmageddon, so we do have some news to go over tonight. Uh, we'll get into a few different things. Um, you know, first and foremost, late last week, the family, uh, the um, fallen Louisville Metro detective, uh, D.D. Mingadote, uh, did file the lawsuit against MSD and against Roger Burdett, the uh, the driver who is now charged with murder. Uh, you know, so they did finally file the lawsuit late last week. And, and i got to tell you something here, though. You know, Mr. McAdam called last week and, uh, you know, gave us a little bit of the scuttlebutt that was going on around the, around the courthouse. And, you know, I actually looked into some of that. And, and that scuttlebutt he gave us was uh, pretty much what most people are thinking. And when we look at the toxicology reports and stuff we got back, there really wasn't anything in this guy's system uh, that should have raised any red flags. Um, so the question really to, for me right now is, how can you charge a guy with murder? I mean, it, it's obviously a a road problem where, where the detective was pulled off with the car. Uh, you know, there's not a true emergency lane there, so it's sticking out into the traffic. Uh, you know, now, now I'm not trying to make light of the tragedy at all, but I wonder how you get to murder with this, especially with toxicology coming back. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes, but the lawsuit was filed. Um, Burdett is, is being represented by a public defender um, at this point. Uh, you know, if, if these guys and his family want a real lawyer, give me a call, folks. I'm easy to find. Ed Springston on Facebook. I know attorneys. You might, you might need one at this point. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to make of this anymore. The more that comes out, um, it doesn't look the way that it has been portrayed. Does that make sense? Well, well, that's that's uh, as McAdam would tell you, or any lawyer would tell you. That's why we have a legal system, <clears throat> you know. And fact is, the guy ran into the cop car and he killed the cop. As far as it goes beyond that, obviously unspeakable tragedy, horrible tragedy, uh, probably unnecessary, you know, no doubt. But as to the causes of it, the guilt, you know. It's like so many other things. Some people accuse me of straddling the fence sometimes. The fact is there's so much we don't know, you know. Right. As, as, as we've heard the, the rumors, as you, as you mentioned, you know, that the guy didn't want to drive. He, he was on meds. He shouldn't have been driving. Was he, was he strong on into it? You know, we don't know. We could find out the guy, you know, what do you think? It could go either way. We could find out the guy was uh, – abusing his meds for all we know or right. he could have just been taking them saying hey boss I, I really really don't I'm not feeling it today I don't think I should drive you know drive or lose your job that could happen well that's it at which, at which point he instantly becomes the victim of, you know one of the victims uh, still guilty well, of, of, you know carrying going on and driving but these things can change so I'm they say tragedy. We under we get that part. As far as the guilt goes, I'm not going to jump to conclusions and and you know, John and Bay when I go and say murder, charging with murder. You know, we don't know the story. Well, I'm not either. That's why I that's why I think this guy may need a private attorney. Um, nothing against the public defender's office, but these guys are great at, at pushing traffic shit through the courts real fast. But when you get into the, the to a murder charge or thing like that. You know, I, I would be really curious. And with a private attorney, you might be able to get information you wouldn't otherwise be able to get, you know, during discovery and stuff, in my opinion, anyway. So I'm kind of curious. I, I think the guy needs a private attorney. And not that I'm trying to, 
hurt hurt the Migadol family in any way, shape, or form. But if this is just truly an accident, this murder charge makes no sense. Let's go to the phones. Paul, you're on the air. Well, I'm going to part company with you a little bit, Ed, on this murder charge. I, I actually think it does make sense because it showed a degree of willful negligence, okay? Um, this guy is a driver. He's a commercial, commercially licensed truck driver. He, by, by regular standards, he is got more responsibility, but he also has more knowledge and more training than a lot of just resident, resident, regular drivers, okay? So I think that the, that the murder charge, I think, is a good place to start. Probably be amended down, I would think. But here's where I, where I wanted to go, and this is what I want to make sure that a lot of your listeners know. I'm a former union steward, and one of the things that we learned a long time ago was if you, for whatever reason, do not believe that you can do your job safely, either because you fear harm to yourself or in the process of doing your job, you could possibly harm others, you have the legal right to say no. Now, if they, your employer fires you as a result of that, now you have a, your own lawsuit. So I, I think a question that remains for this truck driver is that what was his level of awareness regarding his fitness to operate that semi-truck, okay? And then number two, was he ordered to drive it or did he choose to drive it on his own volition and failed to disclose to his employer that he was operating under the influence of his prescription medication? Well, it's going to be a little while before we get those answers, you know? Well, the thing is, well, right and, now, I mean, and, and we, that's, we, and that's what I'm saying. We don't, that's what I'm saying. We don't know, and I agree that commercial drivers. I'm not a commercial driver, but I know this because I talk to commercial drivers. You're right. Every commercial driver knows when he shouldn't, when he should not be behind the wheel. That's part of. That's a huge part of their training. They know when they shouldn't be behind the wheel. And exactly. he's probably he's, he's probably in the union. I guess MSD is union, or he's got some sort of representation. So yeah, he he should have had some conf- level of confidence that if he said I'm not I'm not up to it, and you know if his super said well you driver you're fired. Yeah, he also should have been cognizant enough of of the way the world works that he could have said uh, piss off, uh, you can't fire me for that. No. Well, the whole the whole willful negligence is the only thing that I would take exception to at this point. Uh, you know, the, the the cars are off on the side of the road, but they're not on the side of the road. In that particular area, part of your car is in the driving lane. You know, um, if you had nowhere to go, we don't know what the traffic was. We have not seen video of that yet. That could that could be a lot to do with this particular case. According to the reports uh, that are out there right now, we don't have the official uh, blood test toxicology reports yet, all right? But according to the reports that are out there, he was on medicine for blood pressure, cholesterol. He was also on Zoloft, and he was also on an antibiotic that can cause dizziness. Um, You know, those are pretty normal medications. Now, antibiotics are weird. Uh, Antibiotics can cause dizziness for a couple of days until your body settles into it, depending on what you're on. 
It's a, it's a known, normal, common side effect. So was he dizzy? Did he call into MSD that day, as the scuttlebutt has, that he called in and they told him to come in or be fired? Uh, turns out, according to MSD spokeswoman Cheryl Louder, uh, MSD did fire Burdett last Wednesday. They list him as a 10-year Louisville Metro government employee, uh, which is kind of ironic when you look at the wording of that, because MSD is not a government function, right? They're not regulated by the Public Service Commission. But they fired him, but they didn't fire him for this crash. They fired him because he was incarcerated and he couldn't make bond. Uh, according to them, their letter to Burdett said, and this is according to Courage Journal, give them some credit here, MSD does not approve leave for an employee's incarceration. It's our understanding that you were unable to report to work due to the inability to post bond. And as a condition of any bond you might post, you wouldn't be able to drive a vehicle anyway. So uh, they fired him for not being able to get out of jail, essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, question I, the question I'm asking, the question I would ask is, okay, where's the union? There you go. There you go. I think that's a good question. You know, I, uh, I, I think mean, it's I, I get it. I get it that it's not a popular cause to take up. Where's the union? You know. You you fire him for something else, but but you know you if you yeah where's the union? <laughs> well, that's it. I, I mean, I you know, I think MSD is just playing games and and getting ready to try to cover their own ass because they. You know, well, that's why MSD went get, out and tried to hire an attorney yeah. right away to cover their ass. But uh, I think that's a very interesting thing here. I think this guy may need a private attorney. Uh, they'll they will have more time and and things like that to spend on this in the public defender's office. I'm not knocking public defenders at all. Don't get me wrong. These guys are necessary, and there, there are some good ones out there, but it's just damn hard for them to, to put on a good defense with the limitations they've got. So it may be it may be interesting, but it may be time for Burdett to find a, a private attorney. And uh, like I said, his family can get a hold of me. I can help him find somebody. But it, it's interesting, though, because I think this thing is a lot more complicated than it appears. Even, you know, I don't I don't see the willful negligence argument at all because a car was clearly in part of the road. That's not willful negligence. Um, that, to me, means that this thing, of course, should be pled down anyway. It's going to be, um, and, and rightfully so. So we're going to see what happens with it. Um, in the meantime, we've got a couple of different things going on here. Um, Kentucky, apparently, Kentucky apparently paid out $650,000 through a discrimination lawsuit filed by a minority company called Mathis & Sons. Uh, This is in relation to the Ohio River Bridges Project. This suit was filed uh, back in 2014 against Kentucky Transportation Cabinet. Uh, Apparently, they discriminated against Mathis & Sons in hiring. Uh, A minority-owned Louisville company, they they discriminated against. They They lost a contract on the Ohio River Bridges Project because of it. And it was worth about $650,000, according to the settlement agreement. So, you know, we, we look at this, and I think this is just a first. It ain't going to be the only one that comes out with all of this. Um, as we know, the Ohio River Bridges Project was a boondogger from the word go. It was all designed to, to take care of some political cronies, in my opinion. Uh, it was a clusterfuck in mean, CFC. And now we're finding out about discrimination and lawsuit settlements and things like this. You know, how many of these settlements do you think that the state or the, or the city of Louisville makes here? How much money do you think they spend in settlements every year on cases because they continue to screw up and not do things the right way? Well, I I would have no idea on that. But 
But yeah, the only thing that I would point out is, of course, you know, there are certain ones in the local media who like to point out that, you know, Matt Bevin is the governor and the Kentucky Transportation Canada did this. No, folks, that happened under this year. I think it's fascinating that the Kentucky cabinet, here's the thing with this kind of stuff, and this is what's weird about it, because the settlements we don't see. We can see dollar amounts on on, on a dag on a county line all day long, but we don't see that these are settlements in lawsuits, right? And that's the problem. They hide this shit. They, they, they give you a inflated number to, to make sure we can't see that. But according to the Kentucky cabinet, uh, you know, they make the claim that these allegations made during the previous administration, which they were this year, once again, uh, were settled to put to rest claims against the cabinet in an effort to avoid costly and lengthy court proceedings. The settlement clearly states the agreement is not an admission of fault by the cabinet, and an investigation by the Federal Highway Association confirms no evidence of discriminatory practices. Now, that's the bullshit you get in these settlement agreements, folks. The reality is this. It wasn't going to cost them $650,000 to defend this case. They never admit admission of fault whenever they reach a settlement agreement. That's how they, that's how they avoid anything. If the FHA confirmed there was no evidence of discriminatory practices, then why didn't you fight it and clear your name, right? So they clearly have some problems here. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that drives me completely nuts because we do these kind of settlements all the time. I want to know when we get the transparency to see what these settlements are for everything, because it's not just a Kentucky transportation cabinet. We, we settle stuff in Louisville, and I guarantee you we spend a seven-figure plus. What is all that background noise? Sounds like you're doing the dishes. Oh, oh is that you? Let's find out. Who's doing dishes? That's Paul. I put him, I put Paul in the queue. Uh, Paul, that was your background noise. I couldn't hear you. Either. Um, I'll put you back on in just a second, Paul. Just give you time to clean that up a little bit. But, you know, the thing is, this is the kind of stuff we get into. When do we get transparency on these lawsuit settlements, where they start telling us exactly what they settled for, what the charges were, and when do we start questioning these guys? It's almost like the Trump Stormy Daniels thing, right? Members of Congress are sitting here freaking out because Trump spent his own money paying a hooker off, and, and Congress spent, you know, $17 million of our money, and they're exempt from having to disclose that, our tax money. When do we get this transparency for the crap the government is spending our money on? That's what drives me completely nuts. Oh, I'm I don't with know. you on that. I'm with you. I think there's taxpayer dollars involved. If you know if you're suing for it or you know they're paying it, we deserve to know it's our money. That's it. That's it. It's that opium well, addiction, and, and that's what drives me nuts. Yeah, apparently we don't deserve to know. So, <laughs> well, see that's uh, but see, that's the thing. I mean, you know, if I was spending your money, you know, well, let's look at this from a business perspective, right? If I work for you and I got a company credit card, all right, and I was putting money on that company credit card, you have a right to know where that money's going for, don't you? Absolutely, 100%. Why is it any different with these guys? You know what I mean? Well, that's what drivers mean. Yeah, apparently it is, as, as amazing as that sounds, yeah. So. You know, so I, I don't get that. Yeah. And uh, to me, to me, it's a major problem. So I don't know. Well, we still got background noise on Paul. I want to put him back in the queue again. I'm sorry, Paul. Um, but but for me, that's a major problem. And it's something that we have to address. 
So in other words, you just spent another $650,000 for nothing. Um, you know, another interesting story right now, Rand Paul. This is <laughs> this this is just completely nuts. Um, Rand Paul. <laughs> these snowflakes go apeshit over anything. And here, here's why. Rand Paul, who was attacked uh, by his neighbor in 2017, uh, Rene Boucher, uh, left him with Gosh, six broken I, I have to say, I, I got to swear, every time I hear that name, I'm thinking of Bobby Boucher from Adam Sandler in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that boy is up, up <laughs> right. He's out of control. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, go on. <laughs> but no, 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 you're right. But it, Rene Boucher attacks Paul. So Paul has to have a serious hernia surgery. Uh, the surgery is going to cost anywhere from five to $8,000. But the bottom line is um, he's going to a place called Shodice Hernia Hospital in Thornhill, Ontario, to have it done. Um, you know, this is, this is amazing to me that, that this is a story. Um, because Rand Paul is paying for this out of his pocket, you know, and the liberals are freaking out. I thought he was against socialized medicine and all this other stuff. This isn't socialized medicine, folks. This is a private hospital that that is considered one of the best in the world in non-hernia repair. He's paying for this out of his pocket. He's not doing anything. That's what the private market does for you. And somehow this is a... Big, big story, uh, you know, that, that he is taking advantage of Canada's socialized medicine. You know, we have people from all over the world come to the U.S. for, for surgeries and, and medical care when their own countries don't, don't give them what they need. Canada's no different. So I'm trying to figure out why this is such a big story. Rand Paul has always been consistent well, yeah. in this. It's just that on the surface, he's going to Canada. Canada, and it, it just shows that, it, you know, it's the nature of politics nowadays. People want to get worked up about, you know, if they can get it, if they can get it work, get worked up over about, you know, a headline, that's where they'll go. Uh, right. You know, oh, and, and this, this is somewhat the right's fault, the conservatives, the Republicans' fault, because, you know, they, they don't say, oh, socialized medicine in Canada, you know, all this. Like, okay, look. Canada is has a socialized element. So do we. Canada right. also has a a privatized element. You know, you, you, not everything goes through this state. Just just like in America, forty two percent. So do we. I have a, I have friends in England. You know, friends that I've encountered through through sports and rugby, namely, that would tell you that that places like England and stuff and, and France. They have, you know, they're predominantly socialized medicine, but there's a two tier. You can buy just like you can buy Medicare supplements. You can buy, you can buy additional supplemental insurance. You can pay for it out of pocket. That that takes you to the next level, gets you into more of the elective, you know, the, the specialized stuff. You know, if you're in England, uh, I guess if you want to get a boob job, it's, state's not gonna pay for it. <laughs> you know, you gotta come up Absolutely. with this money yourself. So. So they there and it can tell you this, I know for a fact that even in Cuba where Michael Moore thinks it's so damn great that right. 
that U.S. dollars will get you moved to the front of the line. I know this. You know, bribe, whether you want to call them bribes or gratuities or or whatever, is socialized, all this socialized medicine. No, if you've got a little cashola, which, you know, not a lot of people in Cuba do, you got a little cash, the doctors will step up. You will get better care, period. So it's, yeah, he's going, you're right, he's going to a private clinic in a country that has a, you know, a decent amount of socialized medicine going on, public medicine works for them. Okay, great. But yeah, this is this is a free market thing. And this this firm that he's going to, this hospital, has existed well before. And right. apparently tops in the world will exist well after Canada's socialized system. It is not a product of Canada's socialized system. It exists in spite right. of Canada's socialized system. Well see that's that's the thing about it. You know, and this this is this is the free market at work. I mean, you know, I, I don't see what the hang-up is. Even here, in, even here in, I mean, in the United States, we have socialized medicine. The VA system is a socialized medicine program. And anybody that I've ever talked to that's in the VA system, if they had any choice at all, they would be in the private system. You know, the VA system, don't get me wrong, you know, for, for, for mandatory, necessary stuff that you can't get done under any circumstances, the VA system is good. But if I'm going to have a heart problem or something like that, I want to go to Jewish. You know, we have our specialties too, and that's the thing. So that's the problem I've got with all of that is the fact, you know, we know what socialized medicine is here. You know, don't get me wrong. As a vet, I'm grateful that there's a place for me to go. But at the same time, you know, it's it's like getting a C or a D in school, just passing a class, but you could have an A if you just had another option or, or something, you know, and that's the thing that bothers me. Paul, you're back. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who is listening to this, who wants to take Rand Paul to task for his decision to go to a, what is acknowledged to be a world-class medical private hospital in Canada who specializes in hernia repair. And in fact, based on what I could find out, they're the only hernia repair operation in, in the entire North America that does their particular type of hernia repair. Anyone who wants to bash Rand Paul for that is simply they're, they're out of touch. They're, they're, they, yeah. they just hate. They're a hater. And, and, again, you guys mentioned the VA system. Here, let me bring up a couple of other systems that everybody knows about. Number one, how about Medicare? Is it Medicare yep. type a type of socialized? And, oh well, that's true. Sure. I'll say when I when I was when I was running for office, you had people, uh, other parties were sitting there saying, you know, we're we're, we're trying to take over. This is an attempt to take over the the medical industry. And I just would look at them and guys, the number prior to ACA, I said, guys, you do understand that forty two percent, and this is a prior to ACA number, forty two percent of all hospital billings are done to the government. You do understand that, right? Whether it's the foreman's policy, Medicare, Medicaid, public employees getting their public insurance, public retirees, military, that's all government funded. 42% out of every dollar that goes into the system is paid for out of, in some form or another, taxpayer dollars, or it's, it's not private. So it's like, yeah, everybody needs to relax a little bit. It's like, oh, we don't want socialized medicine. Well, guess what, Buttercup? You kind of got it <laughs> yeah. even before. It's already here. Right. And yep. then, oh, and let me, oh, wait, let me throw in Medicare Part D. 
Steve, pardon my French, but the fucking idiots of the Republicans did an unfunded Medicare Part D. That's socialized medicine, folks. The day you Republicans want to roll it back, I will be impressed. But they won't roll it back because it was theirs. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't don't hold your breath, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Let's bring Mayo in. That'd have, that'd have been dead long ago. Mayo in real quick. Mayo, you're on here. Hey guys, how y'all doing tonight? I just kind of since you brought up Rand Paul, I was just in here. I don't know if I was having a drain damaged moment or what, but whatever ended up happening to that guy that tackled him off his lawnmower. Uh, you know, what charges were ever filed is kind of number one. And then since you're talking about uh, socialized medicine, how is it legal if they pass Obamacare, right? And there's right. even some other doctors which do not take Medicaid or Medicare, but yet patients are referred to them. And then one of the goofiest right. things is, especially with Obamacare, if you're under 21, yeah, it's great. Dentistry and glasses and everything else. But if you're over 21, if you have a problem with a tooth, instead of fixing it, putting in a crown, I don't care if it's a stainless steel crown, doesn't have to be gold or porcelain, but they will yank it for free, but they won't fix the tooth. And any dentist will tell you, you yank a tooth, and all that does is weaken every other tooth around it because there's no support there now. Right. Right. Ah, you know, that's, that's, that's your question. That's what socialized medicine does for you. It takes all your decisions away. I, uh, well, if they pass you know, this law, you know, especially back when you see everybody supposedly the tax or the penalty, then how come doctors who don't take Medicaid, Medicare, or Obamacare mm-hmm. patients, how come they aren't fine, you know? Well, I mean, um, those are good well, questions. You, you can't, yeah, that, that's a, there's a, there's a fairly simple answer for that. I actually know a few doctors who don't take Medicare and, and or Medicaid. I, what are you going to, the government's caught in a, in, a, in a situation they can't get out of. What are you going to do, start finding doctors? <laughs> doctors are going to tell you to piss off, and they're going to stop doctoring. So that that's the thing that everybody leaves out, it's like, you know. What do you mean? Do you tell the you tell the doctors what they're going to get paid? Which was that was one of the fatal flaws with Obamacare. We're going to control costs. Bet you don't. <laughs> you know, like, well, more oh, and more doctors today. Well, you're looking at more and more doctors today that are doing a concierge type of uh, service. You know, where you pay them a monthly fee and you've got unlimited access. Um, you know, they're doing that for a reason because it's not just a Medicare Medicaid. Medicare Medicaid don't pay the doctors for the visit what it actually costs them for your business. They actually lose money on that. So they try to make that up on the private insurers. And the private insurers have gotten to the point where, where the red tape and everything you've got to go through to uh, get, get reimbursed for private insurers is just ungodly. And they're not covering, they're covering less and less than they ever did. So it, it's, it's become a situation where healthcare is just so screwed up in this country, whether it's private or public, that, you know, you're never going to get it right. Um, so we really got to start looking at it. I think the example you used with the dentist is probably a good example, but you can make a thousand examples like that without breathing too hard of other instances that are the same way. That's why so many doctors are getting out of this now. They're, they're saying, screw it, we don't even want to deal with the insurance companies. It's costing them more having to hire employees just to get through the red tape than they can possibly make and earn a paycheck. You know, hey, and, and that's the sad thing about it, yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of this discussion is is totally ignoring what I consider to be the root cause 
of all of this goofy stuff that we do in our system, okay? And it has to do with our taxing system, all right? The, right. the, the medical providers, the doctors in the hospitals, uh, they're so heavily regulated about a lot of things that that drives their operational costs up. So they artificially inflate their numbers for their services, and then they accept a lesser amount from the government through the socialized medical programs. And then the trade-off is the government says you accept Medicare, you accept Medicaid, and then we will let you deduct the loss on paper, I might add, between your your published rate and the amount of money you actually took in. And they and the government is telling them, "Hey, look, you know, that's so we've got the tax system set up to to benefit these two entities through this through right. tax write-offs, and so this whole right. tax write-off system has been it's 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 part of of American culture. We, you hear people who don't know anything about what a tax write-off really means. You know, they think that it means losing money. No, not in this case. In this case, it well, means it, playing it does, the game. It does, it does in normal business. Yeah, you've actually got to lose money to have a write-off. But yeah, but this is like you said. It's not actual lost money; it's lost no. profits. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. always a paperwork transaction, just like Ford Motor Company or any of the big guys. You know, they'll 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 write off, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars as an adjustment, right? And people are like, "Oh my God, they lost that kind of money." No, they didn't. It's just a paperwork transaction that they do to balance the books. Um, you know. They don't really lose that kind of money. You can't lose real money like that, or you can't be in business. You know, and that's a good way to put gimmicks that. and everything else. That's a good way to put that. When I was a kid, and I think maybe when you guys were kids as well, uh, my family doctor operated on a cash basis. Yep. In fact, mm-hmm. yeah, and and they seemed to be doing just perfectly fine. They seemed to prosper. We got good medical care. We got in when we needed to get in. We didn't have to schedule four weeks in advance because of the, the overbooking. So, but we've gotten away from that, and now everybody's moaning and groaning, and yet they're given government regulations, government rules, and the tax system a free pass on all of this. They're giving them free pass. They talk. Right. They talk about greedy corporations that own hospitals, greedy doctors. No, the doctors have to play the game that the greedy politicians set up. Come on. Right. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I agree with admit, you. I'll, I will always say that the uh, I, I don't know greedy. Yeah, greedy. I use the word greedy when it comes to insurance companies. They they game. They they break the game. You know, they're lazy. Rig the game. I like that, too. The yeah, game. that's a good they way to put that. The, the game is rigged. But, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I can remember going to get shots all before school or whatever you had to do. I remember Mom pulling out a checkbook and writing up for four kids. You know, when they got shots, Mom would write a check for $28. And that right. was it. There was no more paperwork. You know, you got your little immunization certificate so you could go to school. But that was it. There was, there was no paperwork. There were no fancy billing statements or anything. It, it was. Right. It was. It worked, and it was even then. It was the best in the world, you know. And we we've, we've just gotten away with that. And yes, I will absolutely if, hang that on insurance companies. If doctors could do that again, they would. The problem is, in order to accept insurance, the insurers make them sign contracts 
yep. that they do not allow them to charge for service for less than what the insurance companies are paid. So, yep, and I remember, you know, and I remember charge, when we were on when we were on air at Clear Channel. I remember a guy who told us that too, and he didn't do very well in his election. But I, fuck my shit. Yeah. Yep. 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 You know, and Senator Rand Paul, when we introduced him to Kentucky, when he first yep. decided to run, we were the first show to introduce him. He told us the same thing. And he also told us something then, too, that nobody's paying attention to when you get into the Canadian thing. Rand Paul has been very consistent in his stances on insurance, and he has talked repeatedly about how insurance should be for catastrophic care only. That He carries a policy, but he has a $5,000 deductible that he has to pay out of his pocket. You know, what do you think he's paying in Canada? Right, so he's just living by he's just living by what he's been preaching well, for years. And, and so the fact that and this is something else people don't understand is the reason one of the other reasons he's going to Canada and he's probably doing it cash basis is because he's he's going to sue Boucher for his medical and it's it's a lot cleaner if you go and you get it taken care of cash just to make it feel okay. Well, it's not going to cost. It's going to cost basically stuff. the same. Yeah, he's going to pay five grand and he's going to say, okay, well that was my receipt. By the way, Boucher, that one's on you too, chump. So, you know, that's... But he's going to pay that same money here in the States. I mean, it averages $5,000 for if, if he goes to the right place, if he went to a conventional hospital that was in an insurance group, it probably, your, your initial invoice amount, I'm just going to spitball it, it would probably be about $15,000. You know, but the discounted so price... Actually the actually save money. Yeah. Well, so that, would the, that, would be the, that would be that would be that would be yeah that would be the insurance. Yeah, and truthfully, you're right. <laughs> think of it that way. By going by going to a place with level pricing, published pricing, he's probably saving Boucher quite a bit of money. <laughs> and, know, and, and guys, yeah, and, and think about this too. There's another argument that has been offered many times that uh, that says that if the United States were to to adopt a single payer or socialized medicine environment, then the people who are already wealthy wouldn't be affected by that because they're going to go to some private source anyway. Yep. Isn't that and so all of this outrage and uproar over Rand Paul's going to Canada simply reinforces that argument. Wealthy people are going to go wherever they want, regardless of what the system and, is. And that's, and, and that's and, one and, I, I, I bite my tongue on that one all the time. <laughs> that's what piss, but that's what pisses off these liberal assholes, though, because they're not rich. They can't go where they want to go, so somebody has to pay for everything they want. I, uh, I posted a video earlier today on Facebook. You guys ought to go listen to it. It's a clip from a radio show this lady called in bitching and moaning and groaning. She's on welfare and everything else and can't understand why we don't have open borders and why we, we've got room. She thinks we have 600 million people in this country, too. It's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. You guys really ought to listen to it. Go to his French to the Facebook. You'll find it. Um, in the meantime, we have other things going on. Um, you know, no. We have to talk about this. We have to talk about the federal shutdown. And, and this is another thing that I find completely laughable. Now, for those federal employees who listen to this show, no, I'm not making light of your situation. What's laughable about it is that this same damn thing keeps coming up. Uh, Tom Massey was just attacked, for example, because he voted no on um, the vote that they took. The House passed a, the, took a vote last week 
to pay the employees when the government shut down as it passed by 411 to 7. The Senate passed it Thursday. Uh, why either one of them passed it is beyond me because Tom Massey is right. And here essentially is the crux of the argument. Tom Massey voted against this because as part of this bill, um, it approves legislation. Uh, the legislation approves the funding for federal employees in any future shutdown. Any future shutdown. Essentially what this does, it makes it easy for either party to shut down the government anytime they want to, but the federal employees will never, ever have to worry about getting paid. They're going to get paid anyway. You can't have something like that guaranteed because there's no incentive for the politicians to work together. None Bingo. at all. And we're Bingo. seeing, and we're seeing that now. Tom Massey was absolutely right. Jamie Cummer, who's trying to position himself to figure out how to run for governor against Matt Bevin, Jamie Cummer has become a brave disappointment to me, as far as the Republican Party is concerned. But Brett Guthrie, Hal Rogers, Andy Barr, and of course Democrat John Yardbeath voted in favor of this absurdity. Tom Massey is the only one who probably actually read the damn thing, realized what was going on, and said, no, 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 no. You know, Massey even sent out an email and, and responded to the Courier-Journal after, after their hit piece and says, hey, look, I don't believe anyone should be required to work without pay, and I would have voted to pay all of those affected by this current shutdown but this is why I voted against it. And he's absolutely right in his logic. Now, the reality is, for those who don't really pay too much attention, the reality is they've got until Thursday to come up with some sort of a budget. Most of the federal employees who are furloughed right now have still gotten their paychecks, folks. They're like everybody else. Their paychecks run a month behind. So they're still getting their paychecks. Now, they won't get their next paycheck, but they have not done without a paycheck. January 17th, I think, is the cutoff date, that this has to be ended on the 17th so that Congress has time or so that the government has time to pay everybody for their next paycheck. So they're going to get paid for this. They haven't missed any money yet. All right, I understand the fear involved with that. Believe me, I've been there. But they haven't missed any money yet, so they're trying to pretend like this is some kind of a big deal. And on the flip side of that, this is all over $5.7 billion in wall funding President Trump wants. And quite frankly, the Democrats are the problem here because Nancy Pelosi in the House and all of her Democratic buddies in the House, when they were in a minority, voted to fund all of this. They voted $25 billion to fund border security, including a wall. Chuck Schumer and his buddies in the, in the Senate, when they were in the minority, voted to fund a border security of up to $25 billion for border security, including a wall. So the Democrats have voted time and time again for wall funding when they were in the minority and they knew they couldn't get it. Now the Republicans are in the majority and they're voting for wall, wall funding, but the Democrats aren't doing it. And for the record, for those who don't know, in order for the damn thing to pass, they have to have 60 votes in the Senate for the Senate to pass it. So as much as I don't like Mitch McConnell, and I'm on record as, as being very public about that, I do not like Mitch McConnell, there's not one damn thing he can do to bring it to the Senate floor right now because he doesn't have 60 votes. Not one Democrat is going to vote for it. So everybody wants to blame him because the Senate hasn't voted on this, and it's the Republicans' fault. That's not true. Comments, go ahead. Here it is. Yeah, let, let me, you, you've hit upon something 
that vividly illustrates where Republicans and Democrats are on financial issues, okay? I think both houses have already agreed to make sure that the 500,000 of the 800,000 federal employees who are technically uh, not not working, but the 500,000 that have been forced to work, they've already said they're going to get paid. And that's the right thing to do, isn't it? Pay them because they're working anyway. Absolutely. Uh, But two Democrats have already introduced a bill to pay the other 300,000 who are sitting at home waiting to be called back to work. Now, folks, how is that fair to the 500,000 that were forced to work that this other 300,000 might get paid in what in what amounts to is an extra set of a paid vacation days this year. Now, where's the fairness? I thought the Democrats were all about fairness and equity. That's not fair any way you look at it, okay? But that's what they're proposing. That's what they're going to try it to is. ram through. Ed Martin. Well, you know, I look at I try to look at the big picture. First off, it's five billion dollars for. You know, offense is not going to work. Uh, you know, who are we kidding? It's $5 billion. The federal government farts that much. Uh, so, you know, on the Democrat side, it's like, okay, you're really arguing over $5 billion. You don't want it. And then I look at the Republicans and say, you guys are really arguing for offense that won't work. I mean, come on. So I'm utterly disgusted with both sides, with, with you know, in that regard. Uh, secondly, you know, I, I understand the plight of the federal workers, but basically what I'm hearing is we expect guaranteed employment, guaranteed paychecks, and that's great, you know, but nobody in the private sector has that expectation. So I think that's one of the, the issues at hand, too, is just, I actually talked to somebody in the media today, just shooting a breeze with them, and I said, you know, I said, that's a problem because the private sector, that, that expectation does not exist. Oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to get this job, and I will never be laid off, and I will never miss a paycheck. Does anybody actually go to work thinking that? See, there you go. I think that's a, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great so point. I think, I, I think, so I think, there's, I think there's some lack of empathy. So I think on some hand they're overplaying that part, you know, the employees – you know, I've been two weeks. I don't know. And my bills, it's like, uh, yeah, that happens. Well, I'll be honest with you. The, just... that, that, that happens all the time in the private sector, you know. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll pardon us if we're not, like, totally panicking with you. Because we've all been there. And, but well, what's fascinating in, to me. In the end, I look at it, and it's talking, and I'm saying, you know, you think about it. When veterans go overseas, when, when the military goes overseas, there's legislation passed that they that that you know mortgage companies or whatever you can't they they can't apply penalties and foreclosures on them when they're overseas. Right. It's fairly simple to pass that as a stopgap measure, saying okay, you know, power all, all creditors for for furloughed federal employees are not allowed to apply. You know, they can't apply uh, uh, penalties or, or foreclosure proceedings or anything like that or cut off utilities. During this period, they can do that. 
I mean, it, it's not the most constitutional thing in the world, but hell, when you think about it, most things are, most utilities and things well, like that and mortgages, they're, they're federally underwritten anyway, so that's the plan of the game. Pass legislation that says you can't foreclose on these people. Pass legislation that says that you, you can't pin, you can't hit them with penalties for late pay or anything like that. Get that out of the way because I, I understand that concern. I, I, I totally get it. And then start working forward from that, you know, and it's like, okay. I get it. Yeah, and that's something they can look at this week. I'm totally, I'm totally torn. I'm looking at it from the Republican side. It's like, Democrats, get off your ass. $5 billion. I mean, since when did anybody in politics give a shit over $5 billion? See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right now. Republicans are fighting for a wall that's reminiscent of East Germany. Well played, guys. It's not going to work <laughs> anyway. Well, here's the thing. Right now, the wall will work. I don't think there's any doubt no, about that. But no, right now, I think Jim yeah, Acosta well. proved it the other day. Jim Acosta proved yeah. it the other day. Well, Jim Acosta's an idiot. You know, uh, he, went, he, went, he went to Texas. There's nobody going across. There's nobody going across this thing. And he says, I don't see a border crisis. Why not, Jim? Because there's a wall right next to you on camera, dumbass. I think he proved it. But that's beside the point. I'll let you have that argument. You, I, I'm not even going to argue that. But here's the thing for me. Who does this affect the most? Quite honestly, I think it's hurting the Democrats more than it's hurting President Trump or the Republicans. Because more and more people in this country want this wall. The latest poll shows that almost half of the country wants this wall. Um, it's, the largest, it's the largest real poll that we've had that shows the move towards the wall has been getting greater, even amidst the shutdown. When you look at this in play, we're also looking at other things here. Because now we're comparing shutdowns as well. Barack Obama had a shutdown for 21 days. What did Barack Obama do? Mm-hmm. He immediately hired people. In the midst of a government shutdown and no money, he hired people to go put up walls and fences and stuff to keep us out of the national parks or any federal land property and all the other stuff. He went out and hired people to keep us away from federal land. Uh, oh, yeah. So he had security there and put up walls and borders. You know, so I, I think when you look at this big play here, I think the Democrats are going to suffer for it. And, of course, it didn't help them at all either when, when we have nice stories out there talking about 30 Democratic lawmakers left the government shutdown Friday and took a charter flight to Puerto Rico with 109 lobbyists and corporate executives with their families to attend three parties at a Broadway show. Um, you know, this is disturbing. What? So we're sitting here talking about. We're sitting here talking about how the shutdown is so bad, and they think it's okay to go out there and go on a all expenses paid trip by some lobbyists and corporate executives well, I mean, in Puerto Rico. It's for, being right. Right. interject it's, something it's, real it's quick. Being, it's being it's being packaged as a relief fundraiser for the Puerto Rican hurricane. Well, we know what's being packaged. They're always being yeah. packaged or something. Go ahead, Mel. <laughs> Well, I mean, you. I, here's the answer. A friend of mine's in the army. I mean, we got to talking. I, I said one thing. He mentioned another that I didn't know about because he'd just gotten back from Afghanistan. But uh, when I was at Zussman helping train troops after 9/11, we installed FLIR cameras, right? And they already have motion sensors, ones you bury in the ground, or ones that work off actual, you know, motion, like your garage door safety deals, et cetera. Well, you could have a virtual wall with towers of these cameras to cover X amount of area with, like, a building with so many 
ICE agents or uh, Border Patrol officers assigned to those buildings, build the roads, and then you'd have maintenance, which is more job, more jobs for ICE, et cetera. And you could do it that way, and they, they could, if there's any movement, the camera's there, it picks up infrared, ultraviolet, it's like nine different spectrums of light, so it isn't anything going to get through that. And if you wanted to go a step further, there's actually automated launchers where you could put tear gas or stun grenades into these things to lob onto our border to stop what's going on until the agents get there. And then from him, they use dirigibles in the camps with super cameras on them that see out up to 12 miles outside the camp that are manned. So if there's an attack coming on the camp, they can spot these guys 12 miles out before they even get near the camp with these dirigibles. And with that, you could actually set the dirigibles behind the border to where some idiot with a scope and a 30-30 couldn't shoot them, okay? And that would take care of all the the uh, ecology people. Oh, what about the migration pattern of the jackalope or some crap, whatever they're so coming are up you with? Really, you know? Are you really actually telling me that, that we should use AK-47s to shoot people trying to cross the border or we no, should launch tear gas or something else on them? If they're trying to illegally cross in our country, they, you don't know who this person is, if they are affiliated or not affiliated with the gang. But the, here's the thing. The guy operating the camera attached to where that sensor goes off, let's uh-huh. say it's grid A6, he flips to that camera, he zooms in, goes, okay, I got a group of drug smugglers. Yes, you could use the stun grenades. I didn't say anything about AK-47s. I said stun grenades or tear gas, okay, there to are. deter them from crossing our border. Okay. Either or, we we, we can't do now, something if like that. they're armed and they come across our border, then yes, I believe ICE agents should be able to protect themselves against people trying to unlawfully, illegally, who are not yeah. citizens of the United States and who are not protected by any of our constitutional rights or bill of rights. Yes, stop them at the border, just like all the Mexican laws prohibit any American from owning any business, any piece of land, any company or anything in Mexico, attending school or any of the other BS that we do. Well, Give me a wall. I'll I take agree. it. Go I, ahead, I, Ed. I think, I think technology is the way to go. I, you know, we, we have the surveillance technology. Now, I don't think we need to hit them with a stun grenade because in this era of drones, you know, once we spot somebody, just send a drone up and have it fly, you know, not a quiet one either, one that hums real good. So you're trying to cross the border and you hear it. It's up there. Well, then you're talking about schedules and flight paths, and coyotes can learn the schedules and flight paths of the drones. Use the drones on the northern Canadian border, the much larger border. I'm just saying, they use use the technology you're talking about, the dirigibles and the, the sensors. But then when they find somebody, just send a drone up and get close enough that they know uh, we're watching. Wow. Okay. I uh, I don't think America would settle for any of that. I, I don't think America would settle for any of that. I, I think if you think you got a problem now trying to get it, trying to get a simple wall, I think when you start talking about, you know, stun grenades and tear gas and automatic launchers and all that crap. By some guy behind a computer watching a surveillance camera. Oh no! It's going to have the control of that. That's a problem. No, I don't think. I don't think violent. I don't think we can use any sort of stun grenade or anything. Just say, just hang it wrong. So that. So so if we can't use. So if we can't use anything. So if we can't use anything, then we're right back where we are now. We already have surveillance. Like you said, troops coming back from the Middle East or any other engagement, we could assign them down there. 
you know, you know where they are. They can simply now, they can go done. out and intercept them. That's all there is to it, you know. And hey, oh, guys, hey, that's hey. obviously the wall. All right, yeah, yeah Paul. I've, I've got the the best reason in the world to go ahead and build the wall. Okay. All right, here we go. The best reason in the world to build the wall is because somewhere down the road, after the wall is built. The wall will probably be featured on one of my favorite science channel shows called Mysteries of the Abandoned. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And with that, bada bada, baby. It's it's going to be a huge white elephant. I mean, mean, the thing is, if you talk about what it costs, we were joking about it at work today with one of the immigrants. He said, you know, the thing is, they're going to build this wall. I said, if I was on the Mexican side and just wanted to have fun, I would, I would, you know, get me a DeWalt with a battery on it. And I would just, not even to get in the country, I would just cut part of the wall. Or I would, I would find an old beat-up car and, and, and put a brick on the accelerator and just let it hit the wall. And just and somebody said, well, what, why are you doing that? I said, well, because I got a car that was, wasn't running. I got it running. And I'm just a punk, so I'm going to just let the car slam into the wall. It's going to cost these arrogant bastards on the north side. It's going to be two hundred thousand dollars to fix it because I hit it with a well, fifty dollar car. <laughs> you know, they are such things as vandals. Right. They've already shown where they just cut holes in parts of the wall. Did they come through? I don't know, but they cut a yeah, hole in it. So now we've got to cutting holes in plastic, not wall. walls. Cutting holes you know in what the cost of the wall is? Cutting holes in steel walls. All right, be quick. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying it is only. I mean, for our total uh, or deficit or whatever the heck it is, it is only one eighth of one percent. Yeah. Point zero zero three two five seven percent. Okay. And yet, they're the, the the Dems are digging in their heels over this when they did what? For, I mean, how many billions has Obamacare cost? Well, budgetarily okay. speaking. I mean, it's, speaking, you know, it's like a thousand people getting together and putting their money together about one fifty cent White Castle. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's that it's pathetic. Yeah. But that's the Democrats. That's the Democrats. This is nothing more than them trying to play pure politics. They don't care about what we what we need, what we want, or anything else. National security is secondary. You get the illegals in here, you get the vote. You get the illegals in here, they're your new slaves. You know, we fixed all the slavery with the black people. We had the civil rights movement, right? So black people all of a sudden get to make the same money everybody else does, as it should be. Don't get me wrong. All right? So now black people are equal citizens now. Well, now we can't have cheap labor. So we're going to go out and get some illegals in here to come in and do all this stuff for cheap. We're going to dag on artificially, uh, you know, drive wages down by paying these people peanuts. Right? And, of course, who's affected the most by that? Well, the black population is. Well, so it's the Asian and, population. And, and for Those things worth, are real. Those numbers I'm, are true. I'm, they they are true. And the problem is, the problem is not the immigrants because you have uneducated people wanting to come up here and you know they're oppressed and they're they're impoverished and they are working their ass off. You know, ninety nine percent of them are working their ass off. It's not their you know, and they're they're doing what they got to do. It's the people who are paying them. That's the criminal in this situation. Oh, I it's totally agree with you. Says, okay, and we've got listen, criminal laws, yeah. and we've got and criminal I'm, laws in saying, place to hold these employers accountable, and, but and nobody I know, does. I know that, and I know that's one of these Democrat talking points, but I'm all in for that. The person that's illegally employing somebody and doing so 
at a discounted rate because it's like, you know, they're looking at him saying, listen, you little wetback, I know you're illegal. I'm going to pay you $6 an hour. And if you don't like it, I'm going to turn your ass in. So keep your mouth shut and do the work. You know, put a roof on this house. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And then you, and then you put guy. four families that in a $300 guy. month apartment. And that Absolutely. Guy, that guy is the biggest problem we have with immigration. It's not the people that are welcome across the border. It's that guy. And then the second biggest one we got is the people who are using drugs. In most drugs. I lost you, Ed. You blanked out real quick. What's going on? I don't know. There you go. Black helicopters. Ah, that's what it is. (laughs) Hey, we're used to those, right? And most most (laughs) drugs actually come come in through ports and airports, and they're smuggled in. It's it's creative. Most of it doesn't actually come across the border mule style. They use commercial. It's a commercial thing. But in the other Well, you go down to Arkansas and ask Bill and Hillary about that one. The other issue we have... And the other issue we have is Americans who are who are buying drugs. That you know, everybody's like, "Oh, they're drug smugglers and gangs." That's that's our fault. We're, we, we've created a market for these people. It's no different than Al Capone or the or the Gambino family or anybody else. Any any American-born criminals. There's a demand that shouldn't be there. We need to address the demand on drugs, and we need to address the, the demand. On unscrupulous employers, be it Tyson Chicken or whoever, you know, whoever's, whoever's employing illegals, getting them on the cheap and working their ass into the ground, need to deal with that. Well, I agree with you 100%, but here's something else you got to agree with the, me those on. Those are the criminals. I, I tend to view the people that are trying to walk across the border as desperate. I tend to view the people who are preying on them once they get here as cheap Oh, labor. I don't. They're I don't criminals. agree with that 100%. I don't agree with that 100%. There are some across the border that are desperate. There are others across the border that cause harm. And I don't think that one outweighs the other. I really, really don't. I've seen way too much. Oh, I, but, I don't uh, think it's even close. It's not even close. Statistically, it's not even close. There, there, there are immigrants that are there are illegals that are, that are breaking the law, and they're here to cause harm. But the vast, vast majority of them. And if it wasn't true, you'd be dead now because we have plenty of immigrants in Kentucky. Well, they're not here to kill. They're not here to kill. <laughs> they're here to to work their ass off. That's just statistically, you can sit there and show your opinion, but statistically, of the 11 million or whatever, they're in the states illegally, half of which are just people who overstayed their visas, which, you know, they're not here to hurt anybody. It, it, statistically, it, it doesn't really work that way, that they're older. They walk across the border, they're MS-13. No, they're not. Some are. When we enforce the law, we can get into that argument. But right now, we're out of time. I would argue Ooh. this for the next hour if I had time to. But we're after 8 <laughs> o'clock, and I know you got to go. So well, final please, thoughts, Mr. Martin. Please, please, listen, we were hit the water. We will just start buying beer, and it'll go on all <laughs> <that> damn night. <laughs> there you go. Final, final thoughts. Uh, you know, we, I'm just going to rag on the media again. Why not? They're such an easy target. And it gets to this whole Rand Paul thing. They're blowing it out of proportion. They know. You know, I'll often have to tell people on the left and stuff, it's like, you know better. The media knows better. Yet they're putting this crap out there trying to get everybody ginned up when they know better. And if that doesn't turn you off on the media, if that doesn't turn you to the point that you're a cynic and you try to dig a little deeper, you know, take out your smartphone. Do a search. It's really easy in 2019. It's really easy to try to get some facts for yourself. 
because that to me, that's just Rand Paul and, and so many other things, so many other. The media willfully deceives you and tries to get you worked up. So be cynical. Always be cynical politicians. I have little or no respect for most of them, but always be cynical of the media. They're feeding you bullshit, you know, on the left and the right. And that's the biggest problem we've got in this country is it's, I, don't, I don't – the media is not that bright. They're, they're just not that smart. Your Jim Acosta's of the world are just not that smart. So in absence of that, they go after you and try to elicit an emotional response through a misleading headline or an incomplete story. So be cynical, be smarter than the media, and always question what those bastards are putting out there. I'll always agree with that, as you know. I, uh, you know, I tell you, you're, you're right about the Rand Paul thing, and I would also add Tom Massey to that. You know, it's amazing to me how twisted the media makes everything. Um, and, and, you know, you talk about local levels, Courier Journal, things like that. You talk about national levels. Uh, you know, when you look at the uh, U.S. Say today, CNN. You know, let's look at the TV things, MSNBC, all these different people. And, and it's always amazing to me how shallow the sheep really are because they, they do this because somebody actually listens to them. They can twist things around. So somebody actually believes them. And when you look at that in play, you have to ask yourself, what the hell, what the hell? I mean, I've said this a thousand times. I will continue. (laughs) Absolutely. I've said this a thousand times and I'll continue saying this, but the internet is your friend. You can get instant access to just about anything today. I wish I would have had this information available to me 30 years ago. I'd have had a field day. I'd have had a field day. But there's nothing. You can put in the simplest Google search term, and it's going to pull up anything you want to know. But you're going to be able to see the truth, because you can't go to the nationals anymore. You have to go to the alternative. I personally like the Daily Mail, believe it or not. It's a UK paper. But the Daily Mail actually tells me more about what's really going on here than anything here in the States does. That's one of my sources. Um, you know, you go to different places and different things, and then somewhere in the middle is always the truth. The reality is that Rand Paul has a right to go anywhere he wants to go. He's paying for this surgery. It has not one damn thing to do with socialized medicine. It's a private hospital. The reality is Tom Massey is absolutely right. We have not had a budget in this country at least since 2007. We're supposed to have an annual budget that we live on in the U.S. We have to live on this budget. But since 2007, we haven't had a budget. What we've had are continuing resolutions over and over and over again. They extend the government for three months, six months. I think one time they actually did a continuing resolution for a whole year. But since 2007, we have not had a budget. How many of you run your household without a budget? Think about that. You better know what your rent costs each month or your mortgage. You better know what your electric bill averages. You better know what your water bill averages. You better know what your food costs average. Then you've got to figure in your car insurance, your car payment, all the things that go with it. We have to budget our lives on a daily basis. Why is it that we're supposed to have a budget in this country, but neither party will give us a budget? It's always about politics. So when Tom Massey turned this down because they wanted to go ahead and fund future shutdowns, you just told all the politicians you don't have to have a budget. You don't have to have accountability. 
If the Democrats are in charge, you can do this. If the Republicans are in charge, you can do this. Nobody cares anymore. And that's where we continue losing. Personally, you've got roughly 23% of the United States government not working right now, according to the shutdown statistics. Those are considered non-essential personnel. Why aren't we eliminating those jobs? Let them go into the public sector. We have plenty of public sector or daggone jobs out there. Let them go into the public sector or the private sector. I'm sorry. Why not? If we don't need 23% of this daggone government, why the hell are we funding it? Because some politician wants to make a play and wants to pretend like he cares about somebody. But if the Democrats really cared, would they be in Puerto Rico with 109 lobbyists and a bunch of corporate executives? Those people include... R.J. Reynolds, Facebook, Comcast, Amazon, Pharma, Microsoft, Intel, Verizon, and unions such as the National Education Association. This is a liberal jaunt run by 109 lobbyists, and these guys are doing all of this for free. They're not paying one dime. They're not paying for their flights. They're not paying for their hotel. They're not paying for their meals, and they brought their families with them. In the middle of a shutdown, but they care about the people. Now, to be fair, the Republicans do this shit, too. Remember Obamacare? When the Democrats had a majority, the Republicans voted in unison to stop Obamacare. They did it 17 times. But when they got the majority, and they've had it for the last two years until this last election in November, did they stop Obamacare? Of course not. Of course not. Well, we're going to tweak this. We're going to tweak that. They didn't, do, they didn't fix anything. So both sides play this game, and they use us as, as it's like a carrot and stick kind of deal. They hold that carrot on the end of the stick in front of your nose. You're going to follow anywhere you want to, because that's what sheep will do. It's time to quit being a sheep. Quit being a follower and start being a leader. Lead your own life. Quit allowing this kind of imbecilic two-year-old stuff to take over and control you. As soon as you figure that out and you realize that my view matters, You'll be a lot better off. That's it for this week, folks. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel, 7 o'clock as always. Thank you, Mr. Martin, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you to Paul and Mayo for their uh, calls as usual. And in the meantime, have a great week. We will talk to you soon. Take care. God bless. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you.